We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Namor NBA podcast, and I am here with Will DeBerg. The first round of the NBA draft just ended, and I honestly I don't have my head fully wrapped around everything that happened, but Will, we're going to get into, yeah, this is just going to be an instant reaction to the Timberwolves drafting Anthony Edwards. For those of you who have been following the pod, Will and I um, did a bunch of kind of draft podcast leading up to all of this, um, watched a lot of film, dug into a lot of these guys, not a lot of the guys they took later on in the draft, but Will, you and I, um, Will's an assistant coach here at the University of St. Thomas. You and I have talked a lot about Anthony Edwards in the past. He's a player I was higher on than you. What was, what was kind of your initial reaction once you first saw that this was real? Anthony Edwards is actually going to be the one. It's not going to be LaMelo Ball. It's not going to be James Wiseman. It's going to be Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of like throughout the day, scrolling through Twitter constantly, like it kind of felt like it was either going to be a trade or Anthony Edwards. So it was kind of like if they kept it, it's yeah. he, he seemed like the guy. Um, and I don't know, I, I, we don't need to dive too deep into like what our opinions are on it, but like it does make sense. He's got a lot of upside. He he plays a different position than than their two the Wolves' two best players already. So yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I he he could be great. So so I I see the excitement or the intrigue in the sense that he he could be the best player available in this draft, which yeah. sounds silly to say when it's the number one overall pick. Like obviously, um, you know that that's what you're looking for. And I just you you have a chance. I think in him the best chance at at having a star player. From to me, Anthony Edwards is the best chance of being the star player. I've long said. He's the person in this draft who has the best chance at being the best player on a contending team. Personally, I was I, I thought of of Lamelo Ball as being a, a type of player who makes your star player 
um, better, and that was kind of my reasoning with thinking that the Timberwolves should take him. But I, I'm not—I wasn't ever low on on Anthony Edwards. He was number two on my board, and really it was a a one A one B sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know I, I'm I'm intrigued by it. I am surprised the the pick wasn't traded, and you know I think that's something, quite frankly, right now that. I don't think you or I should really get into because we don't really know how everything's going to have shaken out. We got to see how all these trades and everything come together. But just what we do know is Anthony Edwards is going to be on the Timberwolves. He's not moving. Um, this this is for now their their third guy uh, on this team. What what sort of concerns do you have about that? Well, what let me ask you: What role do you think he'll fit into? I mean, he's like so. Can, I'll answer your question first. So concerns like at Georgia, he was able to do anything he wanted. He could take any shot he wanted. He could take possessions off when he wanted. He could play hard when he wanted to. How is that going to translate to him being the third, maybe fourth option on this team? Right. I I mean, I, I think you have less of a, you know, magnifying glass on you when you're in a, in a lesser role, right? Like, I mean, we, we watched those Georgia games. He was option one, option two, and option three for that team, right? Mm-hmm. He's at most option three on this team next year with two very high usage players. So I think when we look at Anthony Edwards and and why he was so inefficient statistically last year was probably over usage. He had he had such he sure. had such an outsized role on a team that basically said go take shots all the time. And I know a concern you had, right, was that he didn't really discern through any of that. He just, he did take those shots and he took, he took bad shots. And that, you know, to some extent, at least for an 18 year old, hints at sort of a low basketball IQ. And I think that's ultimately like the thing that's going to have to get nailed down here is that, is that something you can develop in him is, is growth in his basketball IQ because physically, right? Like that, you're yeah. fine. That doesn't. He need doesn't to need up. to get any better from a from a physicality standpoint to right. fit into the NBA. Like he's already going to be in the upper echelon of athletes and strength and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, can you get him to buy into to being like we talked about the third, fourth, fifth option on a team? Can you get him him to buy into playing hard on defense every possession? Can you get him to buy into not taking nineteen footers early in the shot clock? Um, and I heard I heard the interview, the the press conference or Zoom or whatever you want. He says the right things, right? He mm-hmm. he came in and said that, you know, it's it's D'Lo and Cat's team, and he's going to fit a role, and which is great. Um, I think that's easy to say; it's harder to do. Um, yeah, he's. I, let me just touch on that a little bit because we just did the, the the Zoom interview with him, and <laughs> you were here, you overheard it. He just, I mean, the I I've been on a couple of these Zoom calls with him prior to today, and and he's just. Sounds cliche. He seems like such a nice kid and just happy-go-lucky and and all of those things, but he does seem just so, so young, you know? So much, you know, so much growing up to do in in the world. I mean, he's he's a kid who should have been a senior in high school this year. He reclassified up, you know, up a class. And and really, I think what what Timberwolves fans will, will see is that he just he just really is a kid at, at this point of his life. That's just that's just the fact of it. And I think for Timberwolves fans, you know, you kind of think back to that. That first was at 2014 with Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins, and it's like, 
my God, even just looking at them, think mm-hmm. about how different they were. You know, they're just, you, they're literally teenagers. They're, they're 19 years old. And I think, I think Anthony is going to be this guy that he's going to grow up so much over the next, over the course of his, over the, his time in Minnesota. And he's going to have to put the pieces together because he's not a perfect prospect. He's not a, any of those things right now, but um, you know, it, it, it's, it's to be determined. There, there, there wasn't great options out there for, for this team to take. And, and, and they're making the bet on Anthony that, you know, that he's the one who, who on this current, on the current roster is going to be the guy that'll like take him aside, hold him accountable, show him the ropes, show him what he should be doing, what he should not be doing. Like who is, cause he is super young. The team in general is pretty young. Is it Cat? Is it D'Lo? Who's the guy that's going to be like, hey, man, like this is what you got to do if, if, if you want to make it? It's Ricky Rubio, man. Yeah. That's, it is. I mean, that's, that's part of the reason yeah. why they traded for him. And I, and I think, too, like, again, I've been lower on, on Edwards than, than you have. I do like the idea of him playing with Ricky. Like, yeah. it, you know what I mean? If he can just run up and down and cut and, and from an offensive standpoint and have Ricky just get him fall, the ball. Fall into a lesser sort of role. honestly make the game really easy for him, right? right? You don't have to do that much. Run up and down, fly around, use your athleticism. And there's not many better – I mean, say what you want about Rubio. There's not many better point guards as far as, like, maximizing guys' ability to run and, and get out in space. And so that's what – I'm excited to watch. I mean, well, I, I mean I, I'm more excited now that we got Ricky. Sure. And I've and I've been not like a super high Rubio guy, but I just think like again, the style there, of plays some, the style of plays match up pretty well. Where it can yeah, where it can it can mesh up there. And I think granted this is an optimistic comparison for Anthony Edwards, but an optimistic comparison for Anthony Edwards is Donovan Mitchell. Right? Like if it works with Anthony Edwards three years from now, it looks something like what Donovan right. Mitchell is right now. And will that happen? I don't know. But Ricky Rubio played with Donovan Mitchell in Utah. And from what I've heard was a big part of, of Donovan's development there, or they, they, they view it in, in that way. Yep. And, you know, Ricky isn't, isn't the answer to, to everything here. I mean, that's a whole, whole separate thing. And I'm, you know, to kind of preview it, Will and I are going to talk about Anthony Edwards here, and then Kyle Tige from Canis Hoopus is going to come on. We're going to focus a little bit more on, you know, on Ricky specifically, but it ties together, man. I'm totally with you. That that's what I was thinking of. The best thing you can do for Anthony Edwards is simplify the game, mm-hmm. particularly right now. Yeah. Like he, the game can't stay simple for him forever. He's going to. He's the number one pick. He's going to eventually need to take on a bigger role. He's nowhere near ready for that as a 19 year old. Right. No. I. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting to see. Um, you know, a guy again who's just had that like free reign to do whatever he's wanted right at Georgia sure. like he could have taken 50 shots a game and and they wouldn't have done anything and now coming in where he's playing with guys who are clearly way better than he is now um it's going to be new for him right can he can he figure it out and if he does then I think you know he's going to be challenged early but if he can figure it out if he can buy into his his role he's who knows he could be great and I think I mean where obviously this has happened, so you're making more of the case for drafting him, right? Like we've talked about, there's a case for drafting Anthony Edwards, there's a case against him. But in the case for him, he does fit this roster's holes, right? Like better than a LaMelo does specifically or, or a James Wiseman. Yeah. He fits, He's a th- theoretically is a good fit next to D'Angelo Russell. And I think, 
Another parallel to draw here for people who haven't watched him play is somebody like Malik Beasley. And we saw we saw Malik and D'Angelo play together for 12 games. I feel like that was a pretty, you know, happy marriage there where they they played off of each other. They both had situations where they were the lead guy. Obviously, Tilo's going to be the option before before Edwards, but but I, I think that should give you reason. If you go back and look at stuff, you go back and think about what the Timberwolves were, right? Like we don't have we don't have time with Cat and D'Lo out there, but you picture what Edwards and 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 Russell will look like, and it's it's going to be similar to what Russell and and Beasley were. And I think even though that was a rough period of time, that wasn't that wasn't a wonky fit. Like D'Lo, similar to Ricky, is a guy who can simplify things get you the ball in your spots. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a fit too. So assuming assuming the Wolves have no major roster moves, who knows, what do you think? Probably a bad assumption, but yeah, as of now. But like, as of now, who, who talk to me a little bit about like the rotation. What do you, what do you imagine that looking like? I think Ricky Rubio is going to come off the bench initially. Um, so that's just probably a, a pretty important place to start here. And then you're going to start Russell and Edwards. Um, and beyond that, we got this Beasley question mark lingering. Um, as we record this on draft night, Beasley has his court case tomorrow. From what I've heard, that's going to be a pretty important date in defining What's what next? the hell is yeah, coming yeah. And down, the, down the pipe there. So you have this kind of floating extra wing spot now. Maybe it's Beasley's. Um, if not, you have Culver or Kogi to, to plug into that spot. And, and I believe the four position is going to be addressed in um in the once the offseason period sort of kicks in right. rather that's using the mid-level exception to get somebody there or if it's you know or it's a trade or it's just Juancho Hernan Gomez coming back I, yeah. I could I could see that um too not that I don't think Juancho's the long-term power forward next one but like that type of player is something that they want and then obviously cat so yeah so that that's kind of the group and really I think that's a that's a place where Edwards I'm not saying that's a great team, but that's, you got a lot of offensive guys there yeah. who who won't give Edwards in an theor- outsized role. In theory, in, on paper, it looks really good. Yeah, it look. I mean, it looks like a fine place to put a player like Anthony Edwards who yeah. isn't ready that's to, guess what to play. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, not isn't ready to play, but he's not a he's not like your normal top three pick where you plug in and you're like, this is an above average player from day one. Right. I, I don't think that will be the case. Well, it's not often that a number one pick goes to a team where there's at least two guys who are clearly more established and are not even in their prime yet. Right. You know what I mean? Like most first overall picks, they kind of get the ball in their hands day one. Right. And that is, and it's, so it's, it's a, it's a unique spot for, he, he for might him. be the, I mean, if Beasley's back, like he's clearly the fourth option. Right. Cause Malik, and, whether he thinks so or not, like Malik is thinks he's the first option. That's just right. like the way he's wired. And then Cat and D'Lo are, are. Right, you know. So and that was my if if you go back and listen to the the ep, the podcast we did on on Edwards, that was one of my concerns. Is if we take Edwards, mm-hmm. a guy that is used to being able to do whatever he wants, like so that's I like the pick. I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Him being a fourth option when he's used to being doing whatever he wants, that's what I'm interested to see how it works out. Right. Um, kind of an elephant in the, in the room here that will be an interesting topic 
to to breach with him over this time. We, nobody asked him about it on this initial Zoom call or not. Um, but we're gonna kind of have to pick away at like what is really the mentality here. The obviously those quotes from that that article. I was going to ask you about. Yeah, those. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're the real thing. He said them. They're cool. He yeah. agreed to an interview and he said those things. Like again, which I'm like, that's a teenager not knowing what to say, not being coached up on what to say. I also think that journalist kind of picked those words in in a way that I wouldn't have if I was writing that story. I'll say that. Um, but still, like, call a spade a spade. Like, there's there's some motivation questions to be had. And, it, and the reason I'm willing to embrace that is because I watched him play basketball games for Georgia, and there's motivation issues that show up on, on the floor there. So I don't know. I mean, we got to – we got to – we got to see what that looks like. But my question to you, as you are a coach, have you had players like that in your experience? I'm sure you've had players like that where, where just basketball isn't the main thing, right? Yeah. And, and in your experience, has that been something that you've seen guys develop? Do you believe to be great? You have to love it and be honest. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's important. I think, and I don't think it's something you can teach. I don't think it's something when you're 18, if that's your mentality, if if you are public about it. I don't love basketball. I don't or what did he say? I don't watch basketball. I don't love mm-hmm. it. I don't know the exact quote. You're not gonna like hit to get to 24 and be like, I love it now. It's something. It's for sure. Yeah, the guys. I, I it's obviously a way different level from, for the guys that I coach than we coach. But it's like it's something you have or you don't. And. I don't know how many really good players there are in the NBA who don't love basketball. I mean, it's just something that it's concerning to me. Like it's him, him saying he would drop to play football. Like the, the article was great. Like he's clearly had a, a really interesting upbringing. There's been, a full story there. Been through a lot. Like, yeah, we're making it sound like that was like the crux of the article. It's not, mm-hmm. but like still, I think it's worth talking about, For especially, sure. especially since part of the concern about him before the article was how hard does he play? How much does he care? What's his competitive level? You know what I mean? Like, so that was, those were concerns before he then came out and said it. So let me say this. Like now I think I've been on three or four zoom calls with reporters where he's been on. Right. And, and he, he's this like really jubilant personality and inherently these things are awkward. We're a bunch of, grown men asking questions through a zoom thing. It's all, it's all this kind of awkward vibe. And and he is this big goofy personality. He tries to kind of like overcome that awkwardness by, by, you know, kind of saying some, Mm -hmm. saying some stuff. And he's, I think that's my guess would be in that interview that he had with this guy. He's just kind of, they're talking about football and he's talking about this stuff. And, and I don't know, I would love to see the transcriptions of what that entire interview sure. was with that guy. I think if you're that, I think that, I think what that journalist just did was he's like, Oh, this, this quote's going to play. Yeah. And it did. It like, did. And, that's it got whole, pe- and it got people talking about it. Exactly. And that's, that's part of sadly how, how the, how the media works today. But at the same point, like he said it, it shows up on the play that he's not full, a fully engaged basketball player all the time. Like that's what I'm going off of that. And this is just fuel to that fire. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just, I don't know, man. I think when you lose your mom and you lose your grandma when you're 13, 14 years old and those are your parents in, in yeah. that situation, 
you come up with weird coping mechanisms. That's just armchair psychologist there. And I, I feel like part of his coping mechanism is this always happy person. Yeah. That, and I don't know him yet. I've, like I've said, I've done a, a couple of these zoom calls, but I think what people are going to see is this kid is, it's going to, everyone's going to like him, man. You get, you're going to like this personality. Yeah. And you're going to get frustrated when he misses shots and he's young and all those sort of things. But at the end of the day, man, he's young. He's just, he's just young and it's going to be really important to put a good infrastructure around him. Can I ask you one more question? Yep. Tell me, convince me he's not Andrew, like the next Andrew Wiggins. Is that just something we're crossing our fingers and saying, hopefully it's different or is what, when you watch him or talk to him, what leads you to believe he's different? I think it very well could be the case. I Which think, isn't, oh, let me back up. It's not necessarily a bad thing because like Wiggins, he's been frustrating, but like he's also had his moments too. Like kind of, I mean, I think, I think Andrew Wiggins got his shots. Yeah. He got, he got his shots to prove what he could be as the first overall pick. He was in the league for six years. He had, you're right. He had, he had some moments. Ultimately he wasn't a winning player. His contract is at a max contract is rightfully mocked. His career winning percentage is rightfully mocked. His efficiency is rightfully mocked. His engagement on the floor is rightfully mocked. Maybe six years from now, that's Anthony Edwards too. I think it's unfair to assume that another person is going to squander as much talent as Andrew Wiggins has chosen to squander in his life. Maybe, but I don't know. I Honestly, I don't want to put that on him. Like, I don't – that's – like, I think Wiggins really wasted his talent. That's my opinion. And I saw the way that dude carried himself up close and in person, casual as hell, all the time, forever. It barely ever changed. That's weak. Like, I'm not going to be – I'm not going to assume Anthony Edwards is weak. And – we want to go back to the way they were raised. Like Wiggins was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth. Rich parents in the NBA, professional athletes. Anthony Edwards' dad was gone and his mom died. Like I'm betting on that kid more than I'm betting on Andrew Wiggins. So, yeah. Are there similarities in their game? We can have that conversation. My problem with Andrew Wiggins is he's soft. Yeah. Like – and you sold me there. That, that was years. good. You sold me. <laughs> okay, Let's good. go. I'm on board. Good. I mean, I don't know. It's a bad – this was a bad draft class. There weren't good yeah. options in the top three. Like, I like LaMelo more than Anthony Edwards to, to some degree. But, I, you know, I've been saying 1A, 1B, 1C the you whole have. time. Like, and maybe that sounds like a cop-out. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what Ryan has to say about the fit there. Um hopefully at some point I can have a conversation with him about what Edwards versus ball specifically. Cause that's what I'm going to kind of remember from this draft. Mm -hmm. Right. Is thinking about those two. So I think that's what we're going to carry. It's going to be like Trey. It's going to be like Trey and Luca to that. Not that they're going to be that good, but right. Like sure. th those were, those were the two who, who were there, the point guards, the lead guards, whatever. I mean, I'm going to embrace it. I think there's, there's certainly things to get excited about with Anthony Edwards. And there's certainly things to be concerned about turn on the tape, turn on the interview <laughs> tape. It's there. It, it's both ways, but I really think this kid's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Um, 
coming up after this, I'm going to hopefully get into the end of Gerson's uh, press conference so I can talk a little bit um, about what he had to say. Uh, and then uh, Kyle Tige from from Canis Hoopus is going to join me. The reason Will and I didn't talk about Leandro Balmaro or Jaden McDaniels is because we haven't watched film of him and we'd be talking out of our ass. We're going to do that. Yep. We're going to we're going to watch the film and I would say in the next week or so we'll we'll come back and do what we did for the other prospects. But um know that this the my podcast coverage of this Timberwolves draft in offseason is just going to kind of be a evolving sort of thing because i don't even know we've been recording for 20 minutes my phone has been blown up the whole time i maybe maybe trade, something trade got... trey jones got picked uh by who to my new favorite team the san antonio spurs Ooh, trey and Vassell. <laughs> yeah. no way oh no way all right that's uh that's wildeberg at wdeberg 14 i'm dane moore at dane moore mba i'll be back with kyle in a second all right kyle tige canishoopus.com Editor in chief. What is what is your official title at Canis Hoopus, Kyle? The man? Exhausted fan. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, site manager. I've been doing it for like eight months. But uh, but yeah, we've had we've had a what a day. I don't know. Let's just get into it. Like what a crazy we've been yeah. leading up with this for eight months and now it happened and now I'm just like, I need a nap. It's yeah, I, I mean it's I don't it, we're sitting here and it's it's the draft is now over. We've done the press conferences and all those things. And I, I honestly don't feel like I, I personally have my head really wrapped around everything that that's happened here. Um, with Will, I just recorded um, before this with him and we, we chose to focus on Anthony Edwards. That's a piece we know will be on the Timberwolves going forward. Um, they made some other picks. I'm going to get into them in subsequent podcasts, but the other main thing that happened and quite frankly, what, what caught, I feel like my attention more than anything tonight is the trade for Ricky Rubio. And I mean, trades are always intriguing, but it's Ricky Rubio who, I mean, you can probably articulate this better than I can. I, I think he's probably the second most popular player in Minnesota Timberwolves history. And the idea that he's coming back to play with the Timberwolves is just, it's, it's jarring, but to me, I think, and for fans, it's, it's probably a, a, a pretty exciting thing. What, what, when you see that John tweet come across reporting the trade, John Krasinski, um, what, what goes through Kyle's head? Bat shit crazy. Like <laughs> absolute, like absolute. So let's, let's try to break it down because I mean, I don't, it's still, text, it. it's still technically Wednesday out on the West coast, but I mean, it could, you could tell me it's Christmas. Like, I don't know what day it is anymore so edwards goes first and we're all waiting for that right because this is one of those rare drafts where you don't know who's going first so this wasn't like we could just you know it would have been great from what i do on the side running a website to just we could have locked in zion williamson i could have set the article and then just gone on vacation for two months we didn't know at five o'clock who was going to go first so edwards is the pick it starts to leak out we put all our stuff together and i'd have to go back and look at the timeline exactly but John and credit, I mean, let's give credit where credit's due to our own John Krasinski breaks that report. Like, God, what was it like 10 minutes after the Edwards thing? I mean, yeah. it was like so close. And all of a sudden he was like, well, it was certainly like an hour before Woj. Oh yeah. He's like the wolves the, the, and the way he worded it perfectly was like, you knew already. It wasn't like they're just flirting. They're just going mm. on a date. It was like, this is done. And it was <laughs> the wolves are shipping 17 and a contract, which I don't, this is where I go back to you, millennial uh, Larry Kuhn. Do we know who the contract is? Is it, It's got to be James Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I 
so Rubio is his contract is seventeen million dollars. So you need to basically would need to be sending out eighty five percent of that salary um, in in some sort of trade. So uh, obviously you could find a way to stack together other amounts of salary. But James Johnson is the is the obvious connection to make here. The one pin I would put in it is there's a way that the the Wolves and the Thunder and the Suns could get creative, I think, and and make this a three-team trade uh, with it, it getting Booker? involved in, in the, the Chris Paul. No, I'm not saying Devin Booker's good. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, mechanically, there's some different ways to do it. And I haven't – I've asked. I haven't got any sort of confirmation yet on, on what that is. But ultimately – I would say it's very likely that it's James Johnson that is will be rerouted to the Oklahoma City Thunder in this trade, and the the Timberwolves will end up with Ricky Rubio, Leandro Balmaro, and Jaden McDaniels. And that is not what anybody thought was going to happen with the 17th pick. We had seven months to guess every single possibility, and I don't think anybody had that on their radar. So, so the crazy thing is, it's going back to this timeline. Um, it wasn't back like to the timeline. it wasn't it wasn't our, our drink. timeline timeline and narrative. Everyone drink. So it wasn't like this came up at pick sixteen and all of a sudden it came out. Right? We had, for better or worse, worse like thirty to forty five minutes where we already knew that we're not pay- the wolves aren't picking at seventeen. So that was crazy mm-hmm. in itself. Um, so as we start to see. Again, you ha- I have to go back and look at the draft picks because basically I blacked out for like two and a half hours. But, like, at 11 and 12 and 13, mocks started to get weird. Like, guys started to slip a little bit, and you started weird things. So you started to get this idea of, wow, the Wolves might have gotten someone good at 17. Like, a, I mean, there was a lot of guys on the board. Um, but, yeah, sure. so, so it comes out. It's Rubio. And it's essentially – and, again, you'll break this down. The guys at Canis will break this down way better than I will. But, man, they basically got Rubio for jumping back seven picks. So, in itself, no matter how you felt on it – And like, picking up another pick. Yeah, and picking up another pick. So like, which even, then they traded again. Okay, no, you're right. Even if you think that, even if you're not the biggest Rubio stand, um, I thought it was just like it's not that bad of a thing to move down a couple slots, and then again, too, we can get into this if we want. But there was a whole bunch of other moves and euros and stashes and stuff. But um, but you 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 called me because you wanted to talk about Rubio. Yeah, no, I I think I mean, really, the thing we need to compare and contrast here is is James Johnson versus Ricky Rubio, right? Like and acknowledging that it did that they had to move back in the draft a little bit um to do so. I don't I wouldn't say by a, a, a massive amount or anything like that. I feel like it was relatively fat flat in that range. Maybe once I go back through and really dig into what the picks are or it will age, we'll be like, man, it would have been great to be able to stay at 17 to take X. But as I sit here on this night, I go whatever you move back a handful of slots um got an extra pick and and you're 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 functionally just turning James the James Johnson asset whatever you think of that into Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio makes 1 million dollars more than James Johnson this year but is under contract again a year into the future. And I think that's the, the will be the sticking point what people will say is you know, Rubio, what will he be like 30 next year? And he'll be making, you know, set to make $17.8 million a whole year on top of what the Johnson thing is. And will people be like, okay, so now that costs us $18 million of cap space next year. 
Well, the reality of the situation with the salary cap being lower is that the Wolves, the Wolves weren't going to be a team with meaningful salary cap space in that 2021 summer, right? They got the cat's going to be making probably in the thirties that year. D'Lo will be making in the thirties that year. And Anthony Edwards will be making, you know, 10 million. That's, it's going to be, what is that? Almost $80 million to three players right there. So, so we're talking about a situation where the Wolves weren't going to be a cap space player in 2021. Now that doesn't just make, you know, Ricky Rubio fine if he's not worth $18 million, but like ultimately you, you're looking for cap space. And if you don't have cap space, we're left to the same exceptions there, there are normally. And I just, I don't see a a huge opportunity cost sacrifice there in, in the fact that the wolves weren't going to be a team that was going to be able to carve out 30 plus million dollars to go offer a dude, a max contract next summer. That's where, if, if there was, if that 18 million was getting in the way of, of offering a max contract, like clearly getting in the way of that, then I'd be like, okay, hold on. Maybe this wasn't a great idea. But if you've already kind of punted on cap space, which I'm assuming is their, is their thought, then it's like, what, what have you really lost? And then I would posit, and people don't want to hear this because they're all excited about Ricky Rubio, but at the end of the day, if you want to get a Devin Booker or a Ben Simmons or something like that, you need to have, you need to have a salary that you could trade for it. And if you're if, assuming you don't want Cat or Delo to be that salary, a player like James Johnson needs to exist for that. And Ricky Rubio's $17.8 million next year could be that. So that's, that's a very long-winded way of me saying that I don't think you've really sacrificed much in terms of free agency for the future year. And if anything, you've kind of extended this James Johnson human, tra- human trade exception a year. Does that make sense? Or am I just totally babbling? No, I'm going to, I'm going to hit on that. And then we'll get to why you really truly called me and it has nothing to do with numbers or spreadsheets, but no, that was, I mean, again, if you listen to this podcast by now, everyone knows that you're the goat at these, at these salary cap ideas and understanding. And you were the first one on this where it, this idea that the Timberwolves would ever just carve out all this empty space, quote unquote, cap room where they were just good. The Timberwolves don't sign free agents, right? The Timberwolves don't get max guys. They just don't, they rarely, rarely do that. Like even when they were so close with D'Angelo Russell, it still didn't work. So your idea that, yeah, I mean, let's talk, I want to talk about the Rubio thing now. I want to celebrate this now, but a year from now, I hope he's still here, but you need in today's league, you need contracts. It's not just, open space to fill you have to have the contract the money to make it work so i just that's the boston celtics thing right like we talk about that all the time where they've got the they've got the top end talent and then they've got or top end salaries and then they've got the low end salaries so then they don't have the matching salary to really make a deal work to get another max player if if they were to have that on table continue but again anyone who's listening to this knows me knows dane didn't call me to talk numbers (laughs) The Minnesota Timberwolves selected Anthony Edwards first overall in the 2020 draft. I've heard for weeks that that dude is so young and so immature and has had a really tough life. He mm-hmm. lost both his mom and his grandma, I think within eight months when he was an eighth grader to cancer. I've heard for weeks now, I, I think Doogie Wilson was one of the first ones to kind of get on this. There was that kind of hit piece by ESPN that was a weird thing where they took that, you know, you had a great thing where you ripped people about the attention spans of just looking at that one quote about his in is not his lack of passion for basketball. 
I've heard that Anthony Edwards needs leaders and adults around him for him to grow. Who is more of a leader for Anthony Edwards than Ricky Rubio? Who can walk into that locker room and say, I've been a top pick in this market before. I've, I've lost a loved one to cancer. I, I know how it feels to be in your shoes and the expectations you have and the pressure you have and the instability you might have come from. Who's better at that than Ricky Rubio? That's why I'm here. I don't know how it's going to fit. I don't know if Rubio is going to start along D'Angelo Russell. I don't know how, many, how much he's going to play. God forbid, I don't think it's a $36 million PR move to win over a depleted fan base. I think the dude can still play. You had some really good synergy numbers about how well he played alongside Devin Booker. I think we're going to see a lot of Rubio Russell backcourts. Um, no, Kyle, but- that's a really good point, man. I mean, let, let's 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 call a spade a spade like that. Like, there are multiple motivations for making this trade. One of the multi- motivations is the fact that he's going to be a leader, probably the best leader on this team. He's someone who is also familiar with leading Carl Anthony Towns. Which, who's lost his mother to COVID. Exactly. I mean, Ryan Saunders, who's lost his dad to cancer. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of loss in that locker room. And I'm a huge Carl Anthony Towns guy. And I still don't know where he's at mentally. And again, it's still 2020, even though by now it feels like it's 2062. But I don't know who in that locker room, especially when James Johnson's the contract that's got to go out. I've been in that locker room. You've been in that locker room every other night for years. I don't know who's leading because I think Gers, I think Ryan have the structure and the system and all that stuff, but they get out of there. They, you know, the locker room closes and it's just those dudes. Okay. When they get on the, on the bus or the train or the plane, not a train, what year is it? When they get on the bus or the plane or they go back to their rooms or hotels or wherever we do in this new 2020, 21 season, um, Anthony Edwards is going to have to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And he's going to need someone in his corner that can just relate to him. And again, this has nothing to do with basketball. So I'm sorry that you turned into the Dr. Phil show, but I think this stuff really matters. I think that if you don't like Rubio's game, that's cool. But I think that if you're mad about the deal because you wanted the Wolves to take four rookies, with all due respect, you don't get it because that's not how this works in the NBA. You don't just take. 14 dudes that all are either not drinking age or can barely have an alcoholic drink and just think they're all going to grow together. That's not how this works. The best teams have veterans. Okay. I don't think Myers Leonard did shit for the heat, but everyone on that team swore up and down by him and he never played, but he was important. Okay. Their leader was Jimmy Butler and he did it on the court and off the court. I get that. Rubio is going to have to play. He can't just be a sympathetic figure that everyone thinks has beautiful eyelashes. But, I, you know, I don't know no. how hyped we would have been if it would have been 117, 33, all three kids who are 19 years old. I don't think that team's not going to be very good, man. Like Kevin Pelton came out earlier today and said, like, what was it, 10% of draft picks contribute within the first two years? Like, some of this stuff matters, man. Like, you, can, you can't win with kids. You got to win with adults. And I don't know how many adults the Timberwolves had on their roster – prior to today and i don't know how good they're going to be tomorrow but i know they have an adult on the roster tomorrow well and i can just tell you for a fact that a primary motivation for the timberwolves trading for ricky rubio is is to be a leader and they will they'll point to the fact that ricky rubio was somebody who helped donovan mitchell 
develop in Utah. I mean, we only think about Ricky and Phoenix and maybe do the Devin Booker comparisons there. But but Donovan, I was talking to Will about this in the, the previous segment. And like, if there is an optimistic comparison from a basketball standpoint for Anthony Edwards, like it's Donovan Mitchell, right? That if it works out, it ends up looking something like Donovan Mitchell. So if Ricky Rubio has a history of of helping players with similar skill sets to Anthony Edwards, plus has a shared experience of loss, plus which I think was a really good point by you that I don't know, just because my mind's been busy, I hadn't even really thought of the fact that, <laughs> I, this is sounds stupid to say out loud, that I hadn't thought of the fact that, oh yeah, like he's been through this ringer of being the top pick in this market before and being the, the phenom, the guy, like he's one of the very few people who have ever done that here and I, I don't know. I don't know which part is the most important. I would probably lean towards the basketball, but I think like the having dealt with loss, the basketball, the the understanding how to be a famous person at 19, I think those are all important elements to getting this right. And Ricky Rubio should be able to assist in all three of those areas. And again, I'll point out, I don't feel they had to pay much to to get that. And again, you, you can definitely poke holes in my my take and by the way what an emotional rant from me i need some of the dane has a big glass of red wine right now i'm gonna need some of that after this but <laughs> but I, I you know andrew wiggins wasn't our pick like that wasn't that was the pick that we got in the kevin love trade but that wasn't our first round or our first overall pick you know he came in and we had expectations or they had expectations currently towns was the first overall pick but he just came in at a different time it just it was collegiate it was flip it was it just felt different well, it was kg man KG yeah, was yeah, there. Tayshon, yeah andre miller that was different but i again i and again you can poke holes in it but i really believe that like we, we talked about this day leading up to it as the most important day in timberwolves franchise history essentially um I, I had i had similar vibes to that back in the in the steph curry draft and granted a lot of things went wrong but when Rubio came in, I mean, and it took two years after he was drafted in 09 to get here, but he was kind of the savior. Uh, I don't know if Anthony Edwards is looked at as the savior, but the team has two cornerstones and they still suck. Like they're not, they're not good. And I think they've only played one game together, D'Lo in, in town. And I think they're going to be much better than people think. But I think, I think Ricky understands this fan base. I think he wanted to I mean again, we don't have to go super rabbit hole here, but I think he wanted to stay here. You know, I don't mm -hmm. think he wanted to leave, but Tom Thibodeau chose his own guard and he brought in Jeff Teague and he shipped Rubio out. But um but yeah, I mean And was, and by the way, with that was shipped shipped Rubio out, got a first round pick back. That first round pick actually became Josh Kogi, which is ironically one of the is the only two players who is left. From from the tidbit of a dream, I don't know. That's well, and, and I mean, then in another seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, like Jimmy Butler was traded for Robert Covington, who was essentially traded for the Brooklyn pick, who <laughs> Brooklyn pick then essentially became Ricky Rubio. So there's all those connections too. I mean, again, too, there's a lot of basketball stuff here, and I think if you're a Wolves fan and you don't like what I'm saying, it's because you're like, dude, dude I'm so tired of narrative and country club and all this stuff, and I, I just want to sure. win. And I and you're right, spot on. Um. But I also think in the coming days when like we all get a nap and we can like look at this and we can break it down. I think your point and Will's point, like when Rubio left here, he, I mean, who was like the best guard that Rubio played with? I mean, it was probably Jimmy Butler, but they didn't. Oh, they didn't. They, they weren't. They, they didn't overlap at all. Didn't they? They didn't overlap at all. 
No, Rubio was year one of Tibbs. Then he was traded out in the okay, same okay. summer when Teague and Taj and Jimmy all came in. Again, timestamp this. We all get to make excuses past dark. But, like, who was, his be who was the best guard he played with here? It was probably Wiggins. So then he goes to Utah and he plays with Donovan Mitchell, who's a star. Then he goes to Phoenix and he plays with Devin Booker, who's a star. Both those guys aren't just, like, Clay Thompson-esque, never-dribble-the-ball shooters. Like, those guys control the ball. So it's right. not like Ricky's coming in again thinking that like he's going to be like this Chris Paul orchestrator type quarterback. Like he knows how to play off the ball now. His spot up numbers last year, I think you tweeted this out. Like his spot up numbers last year from three or 41%. Catch yeah, and shoot like, 41%. Like yeah. That. And I mean, like. So this idea, Dane, that the eggs on Twitter that are like, sweet, Carlton Towns is going to get triple teamed again because no one can shoot. I don't think that because D'Angelo Russell can shoot and you can spot Rubio up and he can shoot. Now they still have holes. I, I'm not even ready to play like philosophical. What's the roster yet? Like, let's no, hold up, God. like, hold up. We like, there is, we've got one part of the, the puzzle done and the draft happened. Like I would be <laughs> free agency has to happen. One, two of their best players are free agents in Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Whatever happens with them will define a ton of who is surrounding Carl Anthony Towns and next to Rubio and D'Lo and all those guys. Like, that's different. Also, by the way, Wancho and Beasley can shoot if they keep them. So right then, right there, if that if that's your five man unit, you have you have D'Lo, good shooter, Cat, good shooter, Wancho, good shooter, Malik, good shooter, Rubio, bad shooter. That's one of five bad. So I don't think that Whatever. I don't even want to play that game yet because we don't know what it's going to look like. And the other side of the argument is, yeah, it would be bad if like Rubio Culver and Akogi are all out there together and they sign some power forward who can't really shoot. Like, yeah, that's going to be problematic. But we don't know yet. Like, I, I just don't think that this is, the, this is the time for that conversation yet. The thing to focus on is how Rubio connects to Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. I think we've touched on Anthony Edwards. There's a, a, a history of working with players who similarly profile to an optimized Edwards in Donovan Mitchell and to a lesser, you know, Devin Booker to, to some extent and, you know, kind of a combo guard there too. Um, I think with Cat, like, out, outside of maybe him being, maybe those spot-up numbers don't work well, I think it's fair to say that Ricky Rubio has been the best point guard Cat's ever played with. Like, there's a reason that some of Cat's best numbers, best performances happened alongside Ricky Rubio in 2015 and 2016. Like, I I don't have any concerns really about that pairing outside of the fact of maybe his three-point shooting numbers regress a little bit. We'll see there. And then the, the ultimate question is, can he play along De alongside D'Andre Russell? And, and to me... The answer is they were already going to play two point guards together. So let's not like be like, this is like square peg hole, whatever. Like it, there was, there was not an outcome of this off season where the wolves were going to be running out a group that didn't have multiple point guards. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's what Gershon Rosas and Ryan Saunders do. So this isn't Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio. Like it was back in 2011. Oh, we got two point guards. Like, no, Ricky Rubio is like six, Four, Jandrew Russell's six five. Like those guys can play alongside each other, 
And by the way, Rubio doesn't have to start. He could he could come off the bench. I just don't I don't I don't see these pairings to be to be problematic. Let's see how the roster finally shakes out. And you know what also too, dude? He's a dog. Like right. yeah. that dude is gonna care. Um, so again, if you just want to completely unmute me now from the emotional hot takes I have, going back to the basketball thing, like you said. Let's break it down again. Let's go all the way back to where we started this conversation. What did they really give up to get him? Because if you're breaking it down that, like, again, I, I, as much fun as we had at Canis writing about Devin Booker and Ben Simmons and all that stuff, that wasn't happening this this year. And you 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 participated in some of our, our pods and our write-ups and stuff, but you also kind of, you know, always threw cold water on things like, look at what's happening in the league right now. Devin Booker wasn't ever leaving Phoenix in November. He's got Chris Paul. Ben Simmons isn't leaving Philadelphia right now. Daryl Morey's a wizard. And we can, I would love to go four hours on how good the Phil, or the Sixers draft was. They killed <laughs> it. But that just stuff wasn't happening. So what if you just brought in a talented player, you moved down a couple slots, you still got the guys you wanted, and you just kind of punted on a year of, of quote-unquote cap space, and you still have an expiring contract next year. You don't think Ricky Rubio, whenever the next offseason is, is it next summer, next fall, 30, 2030? You don't like you're you're my guy on this. You don't think Ricky Rubio would have some trade value as an expiring contract at age 30? Well, at a minimum, he would provide what James Johnson was this year, which is a which was a a, a critical element to use in any hypothetical trade. And not even hypothetical trade. The trades that the Wolves, I know we're having conversations. The Wolves are having conversations these past month around machinations of James Johnson as the salary filler and assets to go along along with them to get a player like an Aaron Gordon or or something like that like you need to have that that salary fodder and what was going to happen if we just kind of played it out and Johnson expired and whatever was you would I've already said this but you, you wouldn't have had that you would have had cat 30 million D'Lo 30 million Anthony Edwards, $10 million. And then you would have like Culver, 6 a Kogi, 2 Wancho, 4 Maybe, Maybe it would be Beasley if they bring him back. But to ever make the big move that who knows if it's going to actually happen, but you, this, this front office is sure as hell going to try. The, I call it the Devin Booker, Ben Simmons facsimile move. To do that, you need to have a player who's making between 15 and $20 million to be the salary fodder in that deal. And can still play. Like in, I know, and he's not. Yeah, he's not just salary. Like this isn't the Kevin Garnett return from Brooklyn. You know what I mean? That was super that's a, that's emotional and example. awesome. But I mean, that dude was literally on his last leg. Like <laughs> Ricky Rubio can actually play basketball, and you can critique his jump. You can critique the stats, but I mean, like he's still. A, I mean, last year he got a huge free agent deal, five minutes into free agency, and he had multiple suitors. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I and I that that. His market value a year ago was seventeen million dollars a year. I don't think he had a bad year. Now I'm I'm gonna spend some time in the coming days to go back and watch some Suns games. But as I dig into my memory and notes in there that I have, I didn't have a problem with what Ricky Rubio was this past year. You know, watching Suns games or what what I what I understand of the situation. Like I don't think that was a negative contract. I I, I don't I don't really see it as that way. The dude played really well this year. He he has grown in his comfort of playing off ball. That per, that is something he's added to his game, like year over year. Utah, Utah, and he did so in Phoenix this year, as you mentioned. He made forty one percent 
of his catch-and-shoot three-pointers this season. That's very good. And also, as has always been the case for Ricky Rubio, every year of his career, the team is wildly better when he's on the floor versus when he is off the floor. He's one of those guys where it doesn't even... You're like, all right, that guy's kind of good. And then you look at what the numbers are in the aggregate and you go, well, they sure seem to beat people a lot more when that dude's on the floor. Is that a, is that a coincidence? Not if it happens over the course of like many years. The, the number, as you mentioned before, that I, I highlighted on Twitter is that when Devin Booker played with Ricky Rubio on the floor, the Suns outscored opponents by 6.3 points per 100 possessions. That's a, a, a pretty high rate. Now you put Booker on the floor and take Rubio off, and this is about the same same amount of minutes over the course of the year. They got outscored by six point three points per one hundred possessions. So that's a twelve point six point swing. That that that's really massive. And I don't know. You want to say you know it it was one year it was this it was that maybe it's that's exaggerating it to some extent. Yeah, sure. But Rubio's done this year over year where he makes his teams best player is better. He's always been intentional about recognizing who's the best player on, on the floor with me right now and finding ways to maximize them. We saw that for, for years in Minnesota. Does that make him some sort of star? Does that make him worth a ton a, a, a extremely valuable commodity? No, but it makes him a hell of a lot more than Kevin Garnett was on his last leg. Like, I don't know if that's, if that's an idea people have, like I'd say go watch some Rubio from last year. This dude's not washed up. Is he 28 years old? 29 years old? Like I think I think he just turned 30 because I think him and I are October birthday buddies. But like, <laughs> but yeah, so going back to like the, the 17, and, and this is the thing that kind of drives me crazy because I've never been more in tune to the draft than I was this year, just solely because of guys like Jake and Jack and Tyler and stuff who did all this draft prep. So shout out to them. But like, yeah, so at 17, they don't pick. Or I mean they take the guy uh, what's it, Poku? They take him yeah. for OKC. And they left on the board guys like uh, Precious, Tyrese gotcha. Mackey, yep. Sadiq yep. Bay. There were guys there that were good, or you know, or the, the pe- that some people liked, some people didn't like. No, you're, you're right to point this out because this is this will be the critique. Yes, this, this will be, be the, the critique. critique. If anyone's yeah. ever done a snake draft in fantasy football, and they go back every week after their players suck, and they go back and they look at why did who did I miss at this draft and this draft? So there were good guys available. But the counter argument to that is is that. I also heard since the day the Timberwolves won the lottery that this draft sucked and <laughs> that it was bad at the top. But yeah, it had some pieces in the middle, but like, I mean, again, they didn't get rid of 17, do nothing else in the first round and then just walk away with Anthony Edwards and Rubio, just an ant and a Spanish right. unicorn. They got two more dudes. So like, I just don't, I, I guess my overall in conclusion book report is that like, what did they really give up? which was, I think, like eight slots, and then which obviously then turned into six slots or whatever. Um, they still got two more guys after Edwards. We all thought they were going to come on this was probably three guys. We all thought, you specifically, were out on this on August 1st, that they were coming out of this with a point guard. Now, they didn't get the point guard we probably thought, who was some young 20-year-old kid, but they did come out of this as a point guard. And I mean, they, they, they did what we thought. And in your knowledge and your understanding – they might have picked up an asset that just a year from now is the same James Johnson contract, but you can flip because I think Rubio probably gets paid again. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. like, that's a James Johnson thing too. Like I get it. The contract, all that stuff. He cashed into Miami. I would, what do you think? We don't have to talk about this, but like, what do you think James Johnson signs for next summer? Cause Middle I'm guessing it's like $3 million. Yeah. 
But like Rubio might get another three years, 35 million when he's 31. Like, I think he has more long-term value than Johnson did. I think he has more short-term value because he can play. He brings a need. And to sappy Kyle alert, he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I don't think we really emphasize anymore because again, I'm blessed enough and you've helped me. Like we get to see some of the behind the scenes stuff. We get to see how the sausage is made. Um, there's a lot goes on more than just the 48 minutes of a basketball game. Like there's a lot of shit that goes on in these guys' lives, behind the scenes, locker room, traveling. They need adults, man. And that's my biggest thing on this is they need the leaders and going into this draft, just throwing four more college kids in a locker room, man, I don't know. I don't, (laughs) we've seen some of the issues arise this summer with other guys on the team. I think you need someone in there who's like, Hey, I'm a grown up. And I want to help you. I'm with you. I have a question for you. What do you think the approval rating is uh, on acquiring Ricky Rubio? Because I, I mean, I think well, <laughs> it's 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 positive, but but like like give me a number. Is it like eighty percent? Is 80%. it is it ninety percent? Uh, you know, uh, for for argument's sake, I'll say seventy percent. I mean. I, I, I got run. The I guess that just surprises me. It's that low. You're better at that, that sort of thing than me. I, I've just always thought of Ricky Rubio as the second most popular player in Timberwolves history. Right. But I think that you're grading on a curve. Is that even the right term here? Like the second, ba- the second favorite Timberwolf in team history. Is sure. like, you know what I mean? Like that's saying like my fifth favorite fast food item at Jack in the box for people. Like if you already think it's a bad franchise and, shitty for your system and for your health which sometimes dream for the Timberwolves is like that doesn't really mean much but yeah I'm with you like I Ricky Rubio's way above Kevin Love you know what I mean because Ricky yeah. Rubio didn't want out he's way above Carl Anthony Towns just because I in in respect to Carl I don't think Carl's ever been that relatable to the fan base the Rubio yeah. stuff he was the most relatable well, that, that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at is and, and this is something you and I have talked about not on the podcast is is just this idea that that I, I I personally think is is pretty important and um is is to some extent brushed over is the fact that the Timberwolves are not very popular amongst their fan base. Obviously, you know people dorky enough to be like myself to be caring about this, you know, consistently. Um, there, there's a segment of them, but they do not have a massive fan base. Um, they're objectively not a popular team in comparison to the rest of the league. We saw that highlighted um, in ticket sales this past year, both at Target Center and on the road. That that's something they lack. And what I've what I've always tried to highlight is the fact that for Gerson and Gupta and this whole group to be able to do their thing, my belief and or understanding is that this team needs to be more successful from a business standpoint to be able to have the leash to spend money to do all these the minutiae the process that is Gerson Rosas to be able to do those things they need to they need to be more successful and more popular uh, along the way and i think and I, I'm, some people take that as a as a pr move but also if I'm sitting there, I just put my business hat on as a Timberwolves person there. Like, 
if it is, this isn't a bad basketball move and has these other things, that could be a positive externality that, that this, this team needs. Because if they stay as unpopular as they have been for the past few years, like, let's call a spade a spade, like, the shit's not going to work. And don't, and, and don't sell me on this shit, too, by the way, because everyone's going to hate all the sappiness I'm bringing. Don't sell me on this. I'm tired of them having feel-good stories or PR or selling ticket sales. I just want to win. I'm I not even talking. I'm honestly, I'm not even talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about, like, straight up, like, business standpoint. Reality of the situation is, like, they had to pay the luxury tax to go get D'Andre Russell. And they had, to, they had to add a ton of salary. And, and they needed Glenn's approval to do that. They had, I mean, millions and millions of dollars. It wasn't just that they paid a luxury tax bill. They added $10 million in team salary. Somebody has to pay that. The owner has to, like, green light that shit. And so, so that, it's not going to be Glenn in the future. It's going to be somebody else. And somebody else, new owner X, if the team is objectively unpopular, will not let, I would assume, would not let the front office Go ahead and be like, yeah, dip into the luxury tax if it if it means we get off of Andrew Wiggins and get D'Angelo Russell. Like that is this isn't PR, that's business right there. And and I and I don't think this and again, these aren't two separate circles, right? Like this is there is a Venn diagram here, but it's not just Tyrese Maxi or Ricky Rubio, like the young guy or the old like the PR guy. I think there's like it's a Venn diagram, the little part in the middle. Like I think Rubio can play and produce at a higher level than any of these rookies could in the next year, two years. But I also think he can be really good for sales, like you were saying. But my little tangent was just going to be that, like, the the team sucks. They never win. (laughs) I don't want to hear, though, that winning is the only thing that's going to bring this team back in the the eyes of Minneapolis and the fan base. Because guess what, man? I watched them sell their soul – to win to play five playoff games against the Houston Rockets. It was one of the most miserable years I've ever had, you've ever had covering the team, and it had ramifications for years down the road. So it's not just PR. You can't just have the most fun, lovable, beautiful team in the world that wins 30 games. You also can't have the most miserable, shitty, everyone hates each other team that wins 50 games. Cause look at the Houston Rockets. They all want to leave. Okay. <laughs> Look at how, I mean, Dane, you were there, man. Like the John Krasinski book that comes down the road whenever he's allowed to write it about how absolutely toxic that was. It's a middle ground. Like you got to have, you know, it, it's a little bit of both. So it's okay to make a move that in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, you know what? We might also bring back some fans. Mm-hmm. I don't know Gers as much as you know Gers, but I'm just, this isn't like Intel, I'm not a journalist. They didn't make this move for PR. This was not a PR move. And I think you agree with me. I don't think that. I, I, don't, think, I don't think it was a PR move. I think positive PR comes from it. And that's just a positive externality of making the move, which whatever that, that comes with it. At the end of the day, for me, you, you extend, you kick the can down the road on the human trade exception with James Johnson you get a point guard, we'll see how well he fits alongside DeAndre Russell. Yeah, there's questions here. And you know what? If it sucks, I'm going to rip it. Like, yeah. I'm going to be yeah. like, this isn't working. You know what? And and you know what? There's, and there's probably going to be a time. Like, I'm not trying to say I agree with everything. I'm just saying I like, I, I understand what the logic is here. And if we want to talk about the things that I don't get as much about what happened tonight, what I don't get as much is drafting Anthony Edwards. 
I think, I mean, we're, we're going to have to see. I, yeah, I have to figure out what deals are on the table that they turned down. But, like, if I'm, if I'm picking nits on this night, I got way more problems with drafting a 19-year-old kid when your window with Carl Anthony Towns and DeAndre Russell is short than I do with going out and making some positive PR move with Ricky Rubio. Like, and, I, and I just – there's no way with how many smart – men and women are in that front office and how much they had. I mean, no one's had more time to prep for a draft than every team in this draft because half these teams haven't done anything for 256 days. Um, but I just have a really hard time believing that the architect of the trade machine put all his numbers in so that he could find a way to sell a dozen more number nine jerseys. Like there's, there's, <laughs> no, there's a it's... mixture here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I bet you for them, the thing, if, if they're being like true serum, the thing they're like is, oh, we're excited we have that $18 million salary in case a star comes becomes that, made available. And, in the and, and I, a lot of people were like, hey, delete that tweet. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to see that. Like, we're bringing Rubio back. No. I just, that's again, live in the moment. Like, I just want to celebrate this because I think Ricky Rubio is going to suit up again in a Minnesota Timberwolves uniform. Oh, yeah. But I, I also cannot promise you, and I think you're, always a step ahead on this can't promise you he's going to be here next October, next November. Like I'm there. If you no. think that they just, again, if you think that the Gerst and Sasha and, and all those guys brought Rubio in and they're just like, Hey, five-year plan where the Spanish unicorns back, like, dude, they're already running. They already and, know. And, and, and you know what? And maybe another thing, if that doesn't happen, another thing that could happen is a positive externality of having a player who likes where they're playing is they could use his bird rights to bring him back. You wouldn't need to. You wouldn't need to to have cap space to go get a player. When that if he if he stays if he isn't traded, he stays through his contract. He could sign another deal with the team, going over the cap using his bird rights as an incumbent player. Like these are the things that they are thinking about there, as that come in addition to the fact that hundred percent Rubio is going to be a good leader. He's going to mentor Anthony Edwards. And I would like to point out he is going to mentor Carl Anthony Towns, which to me, that's just more important because Cat's more important because he's good. Like, I, I don't think we should, I don't think we should sleep on that. I watched the, the Miami Heat play the Los Angeles Lakers in the finals and two teams that are in another stratosphere from the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, Let's not pretend like I'm comparing the two. But I watched Goran Dragic and Rajon Rondo, both 34 years old, be contributing factors for both those teams. Rubio turned 30 six or seven weeks ago. So this, so your idea of the bird rights, again, I know we're going 100 years down the road here. Well, who, who's to say that if, if, the, if the kid is home, if the kid who started his career here yeah. is back and they like him enough and they can come to terms on a – on an agreement down the road where he's like, I've made all my money. I want to stay here, finish my career and make five million. Like, again, those are so down the road, but no, but, but, I, I, but the reason we're bringing that- it up is because these there's like, there's the PR motivations, there's the basketball motivations, and there's the salary cap motivations. And you those know, all and three you know things that you're, I mean, no offense. You're not the first one to think about Ricky Rubio's bird rights. <laughs> it was, you know what I mean? Like, no, it was Sasha and Gupta. It was yeah. Gers. It was one of those guys. Was already they have a 2022 plan, and you got to critique it a little bit because shit changes, you know. Um, but they're, they're already thinking about that stuff. So that's why, again, I don't. 
in conclusion, part two, like this is about making this team better on the court now. I do think so. I think yeah. if you would have drafted Precious or Sadiq Bayer, you know, Tyrese Maxey, who I mean, a huge Maxey guy because I love Kentucky kids, but those guys, I mean, come on, man. Like we just watched Jarrett Culver not be good. And I like Jarrett Culver, but we got to stop pretending that every pick that the players or the Wolves didn't take is the next Tyler Hero because there's a lot of non-Tyler Heroes out there. Right. Okay, right. so they might have punted on 17, who would have sucked or been a disappointment. Gone back a few spots, stashed a Euro, got a cool guy at the end of the first round in McDaniel's, and still got a guy who they're a better basketball team because Ricky Rubio's on it. I don't really see how that is an argument. They are a better basketball team. Game one, December 22nd, 23rd, whatever. When Ricky Rubio starts, doesn't start, whatever. They're better with him on the court because, as you just said, every number backs that up. All of his old teams are better when he's on the court. I, I mean, that's that's been a fact, you know. In his, I mean, granted, you know, a, a lot of these things I want to go back through. I, I can't say I know all of Ricky Rubio's stats off the top of my head or what his on-offs and net ratings and you know player tracking data has been. I, I don't, I don't know that stuff yet. And and I wanna, I wanna go back and watch some of his his games. The one, the one I always go to th- that I think about is when the Wolves signed Jeff Teague. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about myself and I'm like, Oh, you know, you're this, you, you watch the NBA, like, you know, stuff about all the players in the league. And they, they signed Jeff Teague, who at the time was like a pretty good player. And I remember like writing something at the time about Jeff Teague. And, and then I was like, you know, writing it in the in the the vein of like, oh, I I know I know this guy, and and then I stopped and I'm like, dude, do you how how attentively have you watched Jeff Teague over the course of the you know his career? They play the Wolves, you know, he's in the Eastern Conference once or twice a year, you know, you, you you're gathering some of that, maybe you're catching him on League Pass from time to time, like you don't know. So I want to like. I want to say that my Ricky Rubio opinion needs to be honed of like what his basketball skills are currently because yeah, I've watched son's game. I like watching Ricky Rubio. I remember what he was like, but I want to go look at it. Like I want to go look at it again and really think about assess how good I think he is from my eye test from the numbers. And I want to think about how that applies to this Timberwolves team. I think that's a, a future conversation, but I feel comfortable comfortable saying that he's a fine player right now. This isn't some washed up dude. There are there are basketball reasons to want him on and, the Timberwolves. And he's and he's not the same guy that we saw leap. He sure. you know, like in, in a sense Ricky Rubio went to college. He went to the <laughs> University of Utah. And then the University of Transfer Phoenix, to and not, Phoenix. Not, and not not the money laundering one that gives everyone free degrees, but he went <laughs> to two different teams that are really well coached teams. Okay, like mm-hmm. Utah and Phoenix for Phoenix's warts, they still have some like pretty smart coaching staff there. Yep. He went and he became a better player, as we've talked about now for a hundred times about his his you know his spot up shooting numbers and his improvements. He's not just the skinny kid that went away that Tibbs kicked out. Like I think he has learned some things. I think he's learned to play off the ball more which he's gonna have to do and like you said i the the, the, tonight's about anthony edwards 
because that you had the first overall pick. I mean, hello, like it's crazy how we're just not going to talk about that tomorrow morning. Like I can't wait for like the Star Tribune and stuff. Like there's, it's like Anthony Edwards and then like a big span like Spain flag <laughs> with like a unicorn horn. But um, but I mean yeah, like it, it's a big deal. But it, I think it's I think it's it's a complimentary piece that can help them now, help them in all these other. It patches so many holes. It allows them to continue to. And it's fun, out. man. And it's fun. It should be fun. This, and what's this... wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle. Thank you for uh, for doing this. Um, Kyle runs the Canis Hoopus team um, at CanisHoopus.com for SB Nation. Uh, there, your guys' group has been consistent through a time that does has not had a lot of things to to talk about. Um, Canis Hoopus is a staple in the Minnesota basketball content community and you and all your writers do a great job everybody should should not only be there reading um all of your work but also the comment section is a special place uh yeah no we've, uh, got, we've got a great being like i said we've got a great community yeah. and it's been you do yeah. and, and 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 for this the rubio thing i'm mean, not gonna go on a tangent but just to see like the activity level and the amount of comments and the views and all that stuff like it's what makes me feel good about the rubio thing because there's a lot whether you want to admit it or not there's a lot of Timberwolves fans. They may be in the closet. They may be hiding. They may be under six feet of snow. But we've ne- I've never seen as much passion and activity and volume as we have the last couple of weeks. So I think, again, let's see how this works out. We could be talking about this in three months from now and just be absolutely shredding the move. But I don't see how you wake up on Thursday or Friday whenever you listen to this pod and not feel optimistic about not only the fluffy stuff, but the shit that actually matters in the wins and loss column. Because I think I think it touches on both. I'm I'm with you there, and I I would hope that people who listen to this podcast and have followed my work would would know that I would say otherwise if I didn't feel that way. I always feel kind of weird when it's a big like night and be like, oh yeah, Timberwolves A grade, you know, being being a shill in that sort of way. I, I I don't think I don't think I would be that way. I don't see downsides to this Ricky Rubio deal. Part of that is the fact that I think it's really important that the Timberwolves become more popular so that they can make transactions down the road and so the franchise doesn't get sold. I think those things are important, and I think you help starting to address that in a small way by bringing back Ricky Rubio. So I'm with it. I know you are too. Kyle, thank you for doing this. It's late. I'm going to let you roll. Um, Kyle is on Twitter at Kyle Tige which is Tige is spelled T-H-E-I-G-E. Did I spell that right? Absolutely. Good work. Um, thanks, man. We will, I'm sure we'll talk again here in the next coming weeks. This is going to be a chaotic run here, but I think you at and I are excited have, about it. Have, at least we have some well-extended time off before free agency. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Kyle. Thank you for doing this. Uh, we'll talk soon. Everyone else, um, I'll be back with Britt later this week. He does not feel the same way about the <laughs> as we do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.